Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring Good Morning Amigo. I'm going to ask our next guest. Leave it on. Don't you dare lower that. I guarantee you Will's screaming on the phone the same thing. Don't you dare lower that, Frank. Let it be. Ride it out, baby. Woo! Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, the PLG should be covering how we have our own pots and pans parade here on Good Morning Amigo. That's my little indirect to our next guest. He's a sports director over there at WPLG Local 10 where they were, they were dancing in the halls. And I know that Mr. Manso was going bananas because I know I, uh, I was in shock, actually, joining us here. Their best available Cuban, our best friend here. He's everyone's best friend, Will Manso. Right here on Good Morning Amigo. You can catch him every night on WPLG Local 10 News here in South Florida. He is their sports director. He also does a little work for the team that is now in the NBA Finals. Como estas, mi hermano? Man, still on cloud nine like all of you fans. It's, uh, <laughs> what a night. What a night. What a weekend in South Florida sports, Will. Like, before we get into the heat thing, like, think of the three things that happened this weekend connected to Miami and sports that under normal circumstances, first of all, would never happen on the same weekend. And second of all, w- would classify and could still classify as the single greatest sports weekend in Miami history because of the I fact mean, that the Marlins clinch a playoff spot, Miami Hurricane spanked the FSU Seminoles, and then the Miami Heat advanced to the NBA Finals. Like, this is unheard of. I mean, it was at the big events. There's no doubt about it. Those, that's the, the, the trifecta. But it really started Wednesday. You know, you had the Tyler Hero, you know, you're early in the week, you had the Tyler Hero game, and then Wednesday, and then Thursday, you had the Dolphins win, their first win of the season. Then Friday, you, you had the Marlins clinching and the emotional south from Don Manley. Saturday, you have the biggest butt-whipping in the history of, of four, five, before the state, most points ever scored by one of the teams in that rivalry matchup. And then last night, you have that, that incredible finish in the fourth quarter and the Heat had to, to, to you know, their sixth NBA final. But I think we can all agree the most unprecedented of the six, the way they got it done and the team that got it done. So you, you can't – just no, there's no comparison because, like you said, we normally wouldn't be – in September into October, we wouldn't be talking about Miami Heat in the finals. We'd be talking about the Miami Heat getting ready for training camp. <laughs> so – these things shift and happen. And to, to combine that with Miami Florida State and the way the Kings look at being in the top 10, the Marlins in the playoffs for the third time in team history. But again, like the Heat in the unprecedented fashion, this is the most unprecedented the Marlins playoff team coming off a 105 loss season. So it's just, I'm still on The last few days have been just an emotional roller coaster. But after months and months of not having sports, we got everything all at once, and, man, it was fun. It was something else. Um, you've been around this team for a long time. Not dating you, but just being honest. Um, we've talked about the improbable nature of this five seed making it to a finals. At what point during the this playoff run did it dawn on you that this was possible? Because I'll be very honest with you, it took – <laughs> it took them going up 3-1 for me to realize that this could actually happen. 
Because before then, I was in awe that they were playing as well as they were. When they went out 3-0 Milwaukee, I said, something's going on here. Because, you know, sweeping the Pacers, and the Pacers were a little beat up, and I thought even full strength, the Heat were the better team. So sweeping the Pacers didn't shock me. Being up 3-0 Milwaukee, I kind of looked at myself and said, man, I, I really think this team has got something special going. I mean, they're undefeated in the playoffs. They're about to take down at some point very soon, maybe even sweep, but it ended up being five games. The best team in the NBA record was, and I said, something special is going on here. It's not going to shock me if they win the Eastern Conference Championship. It's just the way they're playing. They look like the best team in the East. They believe they're the best team in the East. And they've got something that there's a special formula going on and a special belief that once it gets going, nothing surprises you. Well, Bam didn't surprise us last night. We've known that the potential of what we saw from him last night was there. Uh, but in a closeout game, to see him do what he did, uh, it reminds me of all the trade rumors that everybody wanted to throw Bam in. And all along, a lot of Heat faithful like, let's just let this team play out. Let's just let this team play out. Uh, I I think what floors me the most is an acquisition of Jimmy Butler and a bunch of guys that probably on paper don't show an NBA Finals appearance. Like you don't, you just don't think that team's making it to the NBA Finals. Uh, Jimmy Butler plays a role on this team, will that goes underappreciated by people like me, for example, who didn't like him very much and have come to learn that his value is much deeper than than a stat line. Um, and it, it goes into other things, including the culture. What were your thoughts when he came to town? I know that you're very objective, you're very open-minded, your job is to obviously report. But I got to imagine, like many Heat fans, there were some, there were some inhibitions about a guy like Jimmy Butler. Uh, I was concerned. I wasn't sure what we had heard about him on other teams was true or not. And obviously, it wasn't true, because what we've seen from him here in Miami is, is just unbelievable. What leadership. But were you concerned that maybe we didn't go in the right direction when we got him? No, and I'll tell you why. This isn't me looking back and saying, hey, I told you so. You know, there are many times, there are many instances where I believe one thing, you know, most of the time. Like, hey, we have our opinions and our thoughts on something, and it ends up being totally wrong. So I'm not going to sit here and say I'm perfect. But with Jimmy Butler, I felt he was the perfect fit. I really did. And, and I'll tell you why. Because over the years, being around the Heat a lot and seeing the way they think, you know, we. we present the Heat culture and everything about the Heat, and we say how great it is, and it is, it is. But the one, the biggest quality, the biggest thing you could take away from the culture is that you've got to do everything you can to win, and winning is what matters, and being together and caring to win is what matters, and doing at, at all costs and working hard. And everything I'd ever heard about Jimmy Butler was, you heard the side talk about, oh, he's a locker room cancer, oh, he only cares about himself, or he's easy to fluster and he gets angry at his teammates. And I thought to myself, you know, Heat players to the years, what's the one thing Eric Spolster has said? And, you know, it's from Pat Riley down to Spo, but Spo has said it many times. I love the uncomfortable moments. I love the moments in the locker room and even in the game. You know, when Spo taught, you know, everybody points back to the big three era. And remember when they got off to the slow start that first year. And, and remember the bump, the LeBron bump. And everybody yes. thought, oh, Spo's done. Spo looks back at that with laughter because, because while we're panicking, right, and the country's and, and all of NBA world is making a big deal out of it, Eric Spolster's like, bring it on, man. Like, this, is what, this is what makes a team better, these moments. And Jimmy Butler was on teams that didn't think that way. But the 
mindset and listening to Dwayne Wade talk about Jimmy, and then when Jimmy finally got here and knowing the relationship he had with Dwayne and that thought, this is the way the Heat operate, man. You've got to have thick skin. The 15th man on the roster should be able to tell the first man on the roster, wake up as much as the first man on the roster can tell the 15th man on the roster, get your act straight. You know, this is the way they have to hold each other accountable. So to answer your question, no, I'm not surprised. And no, I didn't expect Jimmy would be a disappointment or struggle here because he had the right fit. Now, Jimmy as a player is a whole different thing. I think there was the argument of whether Jimmy was really a star. I think there's, it's fair to say because he doesn't have the star-type game that's going to score 50 points in a game. You know, Jimmy's just not that player. But he, like even last night, he had 22, but he made all the right basketball plays in so many big moments that the stat line doesn't really show that. And, and so to me, it wasn't, and it's because the mindset of the Heat is exactly the way Jimmy Butler thinks. I brought up to Frank earlier in the show that there was a play that he made that was a five-point swing play that doesn't appear on a box score, and that there's a loose ball, and the Celtics are about to gain possession of this loose ball as it's going out of bounds, and get a quick two because it was under their basket. And there was a Celtic right under the basket, and when the ball goes to get passed to somebody underneath the basket for a quick layup, Butler was hanging out, watching this all develop, snuck up, stole the saved, you know, it's not really a pass because they didn't have control of the ball, and it didn't log as a steal because of that. But the ball's going out of bounds, the guy figures, oh, I can get it to my guy who's wide open in the paint. When he goes to do it, Butler steps in front, gets the ball, puts it in transition, they go down court, Heat nail a three. It's a five-point swing play, and there's nothing on a stat line that shows you what Jimmy Butler did to make that happen. And that's those are the kind of plays that I've come to realize over the playoffs that make Jimmy Butler valuable. His appreciation yeah. for the Heat culture yeah. is, is yeah. obvious. And by the way, can I tell you about Jimmy, too, that I think people have to understand? Everything wasn't perfect this year with Jimmy. There were some uncomfortable moments. There were some times where guys got under each other's skin. I mean, this is not – let's not make this out to be some sweet – story where, you know what I mean, every day was, oh, everything's great, this is amazing. No, that's not how it was, but that's okay. Jimmy had his moments, and here's the thing, those moments in other locker rooms, in other teams that he's played on, would have then leaked out from people like, oh, Jimmy's difficult, he's a locker room cancer, this is, you know, right, right the headlines. You know, here it's like, no, 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 no. we're going to keep this in-house, and we're going to figure this out together and make us better, and it would. And by the next day or the next game, they'd be patting each other on the back, hugging, smiling, understanding that those moments and that uncomfortableness, it makes you better. And to your point, Jimmy shows what he does. He doesn't pre- – if Jimmy says, hey, everybody work hard, but he was the one sitting there with his feet kicked up and didn't hustle, what kind of a leader is that? But, no, those moments you just mentioned, players see that. Young players see it. Veterans see it. And all the uncomfortable moments and all the weird stuff and all the stuff that people talk about doesn't matter because he leads by example, and that's what makes his team better when they all start to lead. Will Manzo joining us here on Good Morning Amigo. What, what, the other thing that I've always felt in sports that's necessary is a good dynamic of veterans and young, talented players. This Miami Heat team is no different. One minute, you're applauding a guy like Goran Dragic uh, or a guy like Andre Iguodala for doing veteran work, or even a Jimmy Butler, and then... On the flip side, you got a kid like Tyler Hero who's not legal to drink, draining threes in big moments and really stepping up when the lights are shining brightest. Uh, is yeah. that the perfect combination for a championship team, or is this uh, is this going to be LeBron stomping us in the finals and we can just look back and one you know enjoy the wonderful ride? LeBron is tough this year. His squad is tough to beat as well. 
Well, look, we can talk about the Lakers in a moment if you want. From from the Heat perspective, look, even doing highlights last night in the postgame, you know, you're going from a 36-year-old veteran who's got NBA title and championship experience, multiple rings, going 4-4 four, four from three, to a 20-year-old kid who years ago was in high school, hitting big shots in the fourth quarter, to a guy like Jimmy Butler who's been talking, he's 31 now, and has his career talked about so much, and, and whether he's a great leader or what, you know, what kind of player he is. You know, to Duncan Robinson hitting multiple threes, to Bam Adebayo at 23 years old, you know, going 32 and 14. And we haven't mentioned Goran Dragic. And the amazing thing, too, is the unselfishness. Here's Goran Dragic, who's waited his whole career for this. He, he's worked so hard. He's been an all-star. He's, he's just such a good NBA player. And last night, he had no impact in the fourth quarter because Eric Spolster felt that, hey, I got to go with the younger guys, with Duncan and Tyler for shooting, and Iggy's the hot, you know, the hot guy right now as a veteran. Did you see Gordon Dragic complaining or, or pouting or, or wishing you'd been there? No, you saw him cheering and jumping and screaming and encouraging. These guys have all bought in. There is no, they're so together that they don't care who gets it done. They just care that it gets done. That's a very rare quality when you're talking about older guys, veterans, young guys, that mix that came together to form this team that just turned out to be the perfect mix to make it to the NBA Finals. The other thing that goes underappreciated is when you have, in my opinion, the best damn head coach in the game in, in Eric Spolstra. Eric cultivates that that heat culture, if you will, but it comes from up above. You saw when he spoke, he he gave all the reverence to, obviously, the owner, and he called him the godfather. I mean, everyone understands Ryle's role in all of this. Um, that's something that seeps from the top down. What could you say about Eric Spolstra and his job this time around with this Heat team making it to the finals? He's led them to five of the six finals, by the way. Yeah, I think you know. I think the the honest truth is that you know Eric Spolstra's always been a great coach, and Eric Spolstra's had to go through those moments and those ups and downs, you know, as a coach. But Spo has, to me, he's always been elite. So I think, is he, but he's been underappreciated because, and and a lot of times by Heat fans because he had the big three. And when he says, oh, well, I could coach with LeBron, Dwayne, and Chris Bosh, that's, first of all, that's not true. <laughs> Second of all, not every coach could make that work. Very few could, actually, because it's actually it's so difficult. Those personalities and the star and the alphas that you had in that locker room to be able to make it work for four years and win two championships and four straight finals. Uh, Eric Spolstra is one of the few people that can handle that and do it. Uh, but Spolstra is underappreciated, but here's the thing of the beauty of Spolstra. He doesn't care. Spo is always thinking of the next thing, you know, the, the, the way he handles guys from a psychological standpoint, the way he understands the game from a basketball standpoint, the way he works. I don't think people do, truly can grasp. And I've been fortunate to know Eric a long time. And I remember when he was a young assistant, when he after he you know, was in that video room and worked his way. And you saw this young kid on the bench and I would see him pregame and, and, you know, he was always that determined look and doing everything that Pat Riley asked and he, when a guy like Pat Riley has a twenty-something, then you know, twenty-something-year-old kid be your right-hand man. You know what I mean? The guy that you count on to find the little nuances of the game and the little moments and the and the things that are going on. To me, that's all the all, all the endorsement that you need. So what what he's then become is not a surprise to me because Pat Riley handpicked him. I remember when Eric Spolstra got the job, and it was one of the few. I'm not a big break news guy. Like, I don't break many stories, but I remember breaking the Eric Spolster story, and when it, everybody said to me, like, what? Eric Spolster? That, that young guy, what, to replace Pat Riley? I said, guys, Pat's been saying this for years. You guys just haven't been listening. This is his protege. 
this is who he thinks is going to be the next him. And if Pat Riley thinks that, it's good enough for me. And good enough for me joining us, Will Manso, right here on Good Morning Amigo. I don't want to ask a prediction because obviously prediction puts us in a very tough state to go against our team if we want to be objective and think that the Lakers are going to win. I do, however, think if you let LeBron do what LeBron does and find a solution for AD, our other guys are better than their other guys. I can't help but think this isn't such a shoe-in like a lot of people in the NBA think. Can I, t- can I tell you something, brother? This is what I told Clay last night when we were, you know, Clay for, when we were getting ready for the show and on the show. The Lakers absolutely have the best two players in the series. I, I, don't, know, I don't care how much of a homer you are as a Heat fan. I don't care, like in our case, we've been watching this team our whole, you know, since their existence. We've covered them. LeBron James and Anthony Davis said, whatever order we want to put them are the best two players in the series. That's it. Throw that to the side. Players 3 through 10 in the series, to me, are my Heat players. And I think the Heat have been the next six, seven guys that are the best players in the series after the top two. So when you look at it that way, you say, okay, the Stars only tend to win, right? You, you, how do you score those Stars? But the Heat have, the, obviously, Bam and Jimmy are right there after AD, and, and LeBron is the best players in the series. But you get into the next wave. I mean, the Lakers, I'm sorry, the Lakers don't have a Goran Dragic. They don't have a, a, a Tyler Hero. They don't have a guy like Duncan Robinson. They don't have these. To me, that's the next grouping. And you go so on and so forth in depth and the Heat are better after that stretch. Now, to say you're better after LeBron and AD isn't saying much, right? Big picture, because if those guys dominate, it's going to be very difficult for the Heat to win this series. So to your point, this is where Eric Spolster is going to earn his money, and he always does. You've got to find a way, whether it's incorporating zone, where you frustrate the Lakers, and they're having a tough time shooting threes or getting the ball. Uh, look, I remember the earlier season matchup, which feels like 100 years ago. The Lakers were able to beat the zone at times, and they used it by getting the ball inside for a quick to AD. It's tough. You know, what's the best part of the zone if you can't hit threes is in that middle of the paint area. Mm-hmm. You know, get that, that little opening in That's the middle of the paint. That's what's open, of course. Yeah. So those are things that, that Eric Spolster is going to work on now with his staff in these next you know, 48 hours. But the reality is this. If you can just slow down AD or LeBron, I think the Heat then can stick around because I think after that grouping, they've got the best players in the series. And not only just a couple, but five, six, seven guys, eight guys who can give you production and, and keep you close in games. So that's all that matters in this game. Keep these games close. And one thing the Heat have proven in the NBA, in the NBA playoffs this year is that they know how to win close games. They just do, and they believe, and they think they can get it done. So I'm not about to count out the Heat just because LeBron James and Anthony Davis are on the other side. Once upon a time, I saw a joke that said, if is a three-letter word. I never really, really could quite grasp the understanding of that joke until pretty much this morning. Uh, If is a really big word. If the Miami Heat were to actually win the NBA Finals this year, in your Miami Heat fandom opinion, would it be their greatest of their titles? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. it's already the greatest. We open by saying it's already the greatest of the six finals appearances. It just is. It's their first one without Dwayne Wade. You know, it's it's their first one without that cornerstone guy of the franchise leading the way, and it's it's so unprecedented, unexpected. The things that have happened, obviously, look outside of the real world to even get to this point. Aside from basketball, it's just there's nothing that compares. There's there's no comparison. There's just there's no comparison. If they win, it would be one of the, not only the most unprecedented championship in Heat history, the most special, but one of the most unprecedented championships in NBA history. Or underdog-wise, it's already one of the greatest, just to get to this point on odds against them going into the season and even going into the postseason. 
it's an incredible story. And look, I'm so glad that that Miami and South Florida we get to experience this ride. Hopefully, another you know six, seven games, and hopefully four of those beating Heat wins. Before I let you go, Will Manso, back in 1991, it was wide right. Then in 2002, it was wide left. On Saturday night at the Rock, it was wide margin. 52-10 final. I've never, I told my son, Canes by 31, and he looked at me crooked. I didn't think I'd be off. Like, I didn't think they'd win by 42. Is it a testament of how bad FSU is? Or how good Miami is, and at number eighth ranked Miami at that now. It's both. Florida State's really bad. I mean, they're in a complete rebuild, and we happen to, as you might say, we obviously Keith Lum and, and fans. You know, we happen to get them at a time where look, they were primed for a butt kicking. They just were, and but that that does not diminish or take away from the fact that Miami's legitimately good. And why? Well, a few reasons. I said it the other day, jokingly, the trifecta of Keen's dreams for fans. They have a quarterback. Derrick King, this isn't some fluke three games. Derrick King was already one of the best quarterbacks in the country when he arrived at Miami. Now we're just lucky to have him. Number two, they have an offensive coordinator. Brent Lashley's system is exactly what Miami should have been doing all these years. All these years. Taking advantage of the speed that they have. Miami's always at the speed. We see it every weekend in the NFL. They just can never have the system to take advantage of it and the playmaking abilities. So they have an offensive coordinator. And number three, they've got a kicker. Jose Borgales, pretty much you get past midfield and you feel like you got three points. And that's something, you know, in the, in, the, in the last few years of Miami football, you get to the 10-yard line and you still didn't feel like you had three points. So you look at that combination on top of already having a Manny Diaz-type defense, which we always know is aggressive playmaking, you know, Blake Baker, now is the D coordinator, get turnover chain, all that stuff. This team is legitimate. Are they legitimate enough to beat, you know, Clemson? This is even a little bit more so than the Heat versus the Lakers, kind of like David versus Goliath. This, this is... I mean, the, the, the Kings and Clemson, this is the ultimate reality check, progress report. Let's see where you really are coming up in two weeks. I'm not going to sit here and tell you the Kings are going to be Clemson, but if they could have this a game in the fourth quarter and have an opportunity to beat Clemson, then I'm going to tell you the Kings are legit. You can't even help but wonder if they could give them a game. There's something about college football that I've come to realize, and it's we've always had, like I say always, the last few years we've been known for having a turnover-type defense, and we've always relied on that defense to be great. Somehow in college football, it's almost better to give up a little bit of that defense to have a high-powered offense. And, And I can't help but think, and I'm not predicting any upsets here, but I can't think, I can't help but think that we can go toe-to-toe with Clemson because of the offense. And I think we lose because when the game's on the line, Clemson will be able to score on us. And, and yeah. I think that's going to be a very, very close game. Look, I, I think they're the real deal this Valley. year, though. Yeah, I mean, I know that you know, you're not going to have the, the fans and loud noise. But going into Death Valley, it's the best quarterback in the country. I'm the number one pick in the draft next year. And that, the skilled players on, on both sides of the ball, I, I think it's okay as a fan to sit there. The Canes can't think this way. they got to think they're going to go in there and win and they can go toe-to-toe. As a fan, it's okay to think, hey, we're still not there yet. But, man, we're getting close. And this is the closest we've ever been in the last, say, eight to ten years plus of being that type of team. So let's see what happens in a couple weeks. And even if they don't win, it, this team is good, and, and I think that they can run the table on this season. I think they can be in the ACC title game. This is a fun, legitimately good team. You know, what's always a probability is the fact that when Miami sports is, is thriving and doing well, that we're going to have our best available Cuban on. But before we let you go, we have one more topic to touch on. As if there weren't enough miracles and good things happening in South Florida sports this weekend, 
On the fourth anniversary of the death of Jose Fernandez, the Miami Marlins clinch a playoff spot. You want to talk about improbable, young man. Uh, this is as improbable as it gets. I want to know what ran through your mind seeing Mattingly in tears. It was heartwarming, to say the least. I'm so stoked for them. I don't care if they don't win a playoff game. I'm just so happy that they did this. I'm so happy for Don Mattingly. I, you know, you, you and I know that you've talked about this many times. You know, I've grown up a Yankee fan. Don Mattingly was my idol. You know, I've talked to Don about this jokingly, you know, over the years. Don was my idol. So to see them in the playoffs, and, you know, they honestly deserve they deserved as much comfort and love as the Heat got. Unfortunately for them, it came at a time where the Heat were going to the NBA Finals. And that would, you know, that would never happen. The combination of stories, Marlins doing the playoffs, Heat going to the NBA Finals at the same two-day stretch, just wouldn't happen. So it's a shame that they haven't been the spotlight because the reality is they deserve that spotlight. But let's put it in the spotlight for a second and just say it's the best player in baseball. Don Manley is one of the kindest, you know, just the, the nicest people you'll ever meet on top of being who was a Hall of Fame talent. As, as, a, as a player, but he's a Hall of Fame talent as, as a person, too, and he was the perfect guy for that clubhouse. The way that he was able to deal with the adversity, and look, on the anniversary of the four years since the death of Jose, and, and what it meant to Donnie and the relationship and to this organization, the darkest day in Marlins history, it, it just, to then turn it around and on that day be able to celebrate the most improbable playoffs on this team has ever had. First time in the postseason in 17 years, first winning record since 2009. Uh, I love this team. Oh, and oh, by the way, we didn't even mention 18 players being out to start the season early in the year with COVID-19. I mean, it's sitting in a hotel room for nine, ten days, staring at a wall, wondering if there's even going to be a rest of the season for, you know, for those guys that were healthy. It's, it's, you couldn't even write this stuff, how it turned out. So I'm just very happy for Don. And, and nothing would shock me to see in the playoffs. This is the kind of team that'll lose game one 17-1 and then come back and win games two and three, two to one. I mean, that's just the way this team is. Uh, that's so Miami Marlins. You couldn't have said it any better. I appreciate your time, sir. Uh, you know, always we do the little tidbit as we walk out. Uh, excited for our November 14th virtual walk for Alzheimer's, and we've been doing great stuff here at SLAM, not just SLAM Radio, but uh, a lot of our students are creating their teams so they can have their own virtual walks, and we're excited about your involvement. As you know that uh, myself and one of our co-hosts, young Yendi Alvarez, uh, works on the board for this, so we're, we're just stoked about, as it gets closer and closer, this unique and very different uh, event that we're going to host. Uh, we love having you part of it, and, and as we get closer, we'll talk a little more about all this stuff, and maybe we can even get uh, uh, maybe we can get Christy to come on as well. That would be really cool. Oh, it's always, listen, it's, you know how much this event means to me and, and, and it, how much it means to my family. And it, it's, I can't wait. I, like I said, I wish we could all be together because I love getting together and, and going for the walk and excited to perform. But we'll, we'll make it work and, and we'll bring awareness and raise money and, and we're going to get it done and it'll be great for the association. This is a, just an incredible event every year. You, uh, you are excited about Wednesday. You have to be. Um, you have to be stoked about Wednesday simply because this is your Miami Heat. I know you work so closely to them and and you, if, if I brag about my relationships with that team, I can only imagine the close bonds you have with the people who work in, in, that, in that organization. And I think I can say this, and you'll just be nodding your head in agreement. That, that is about as classy an organization as you're going to find in all of sports. Um, their family concept is real, and it bleeds into people in the media and local media. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. You can add up the other sports teams combined in this town, and they don't treat me the way the Miami Heat does. So I can I only mean, imagine with I, you. I, I, tell, I tell people something. Maybe 
at Unimate Broadcasting seven years ago, and here I am. I'm just a load, you know, host, and sometimes do some courtside stuff while Jack, you know, controls everything. I'm, I'm a broadcast. He's amazing at the broadcast. There, I can name you 50 people that are just so talented and great. And you know, here I am, that that guy that just gets there and and, and is part of it. And from day one, they make you feel like family, and they'll do anything for your family. You know, and that that just tells you the way they. And, and you see it, you you see it, the arena, and the ushers that work there, and the security that works there. You feel, though everybody feels like family. So when something like this happens, it feels like your family, you're the family pride of the success that they're having. I've explained this before. When you get in there, like obviously we, we don't do this now because of pandemic, but like when we'd go cover one of these playoff games, we'd get there a couple of hours early, right? We'd go underneath. We'd get everything checked. The dogs would check the bags. And, and we'd see the same faces walking through. Maybe we'd go to where you know the media dining room was and we'd sit. I'd often see you there. And it was usually the same faces that said hello to you, the same faces that held the door open for the elevator, that helped you with anything that you needed. Um, that That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. We heard when Wade you know, retired last year, he talked about these very people. It's no lie. And uh, and that's the one thing I think I miss from this run is there's a little selfish nature to me knowing that I would have been at 601 at some point during the finals again. Uh, missing that opportunity sort of sucks, but I'm going to watch with a big smile on my face, and I'm sure you'll do the same. I can't wait, man. It's going to be a hopefully win, but win or lose, it's going to be it's going to be an exciting couple of weeks, and, and it's just an incredible story. Indeed it is. Well, man, so thank you for joining us, brother. I know we went long today, but I like talking to you. You know that. And this this was an occasion that warranted the longer interview. There was a lot of stuff that went down this weekend. Great week. Yeah. Um, I mean, this, we, we broke into the school. I don't know if you know. We broke into the school today. Like, at any point, the cops will be coming through to get me out of here. But we broke into the school. I mean, I don't break in. I have the key. But but no one's here. I didn't break in for the record. She's on Zoom. But I broke in. Frank came with me. He says, I better not get in trouble. Yeah, there's nobody here. It's a, it's a teacher work day. All the teachers are at home. Well, teachers are at home regardless because we're in pandemic. There's nobody in the building, not a security guard, nothing. We just decided it was an important enough sports day here in South Florida that we'd break in and do our job. And if there's ever a time to break into a school, it's today. Like that's, that's, ex- it. that's exactly what I said. That's, I mean, yeah. great minds think alike. That's why we're breaking in, baby. Woo! <laughs> uh, all right, brother, before I say goodbye, that's for you, brother. Thanks, sir. Let's keep the pots and pans rolling. Absolutely. We'll continue. Uh, keep it continue all the way to an NBA championship, God willing. Thank you for joining us, Will. We'll talk to you soon, brother. Thanks, brother. Take care, guys. Take care. I went along with him, but that's good. I like talking to him. He's going to kill me for going so long. I don't know. He doesn't like doing more than 15, 18 minutes. I went 30. He's great, though. He's, he's always awesome. so good. And the fact that he's the voice like for the Miami Heat just makes it so much better because he is from here. He is hometown. Three different subjects we couldn't ignore. On any given day, one of those subjects would have been the entire interview. Go ahead, Frank. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no. I'm good. Go. Oh, I thought you were going to say something. No, no. Well, I'm watching you on the video here. It looked like you were about to. I'm just in and setup the fact mode. That he, the fact that he's involved in Alzheimer's just makes me like him even more. I know. I know that's why you like And he's a real health nut, so I'm sure you like that. He, he's not remiss to do a yoga thing or two. His wife is very health conscious as well. And, um, it's a good example to follow, Larry. Yes. Yes, it is. It, it, it's a very good example to follow. Following your example, I've spent all kinds of money at Wild Fork um, and almost burning down my house. Do you think we should... What happened? Well, I haven't really been specific about that, but I, uh, in all the excitement of the University of Miami whooping up on FSU, I, I forgot I left something on the grill, and uh, that was rookie almost catastrophic. Mistake. Rookie I never make a rookie mistake. It just I became very distracted by the people who were at my house. And what's funny was I was done cooking, Frank. 
Done. But there was a piece of chicken, knowing how the missus is, I said, let me put this on for five, not even three, four more minutes and just get it another little browning just so that I don't hear anything. Um, and I put it, and what I never do, I close the lid. I never close the lid. The only time I'll close the lid is I'm going to monitor it so that it heats up a little bit. If I'm doing burgers, there's certain meats that I'll, that I'll close it so you get that little hot box thing going and then you open it up again and then it cools down. But it helps in the cooking and the, and... I like for it to be nice and moist in the middle, but I like that whole, you know, barbecue bronze on the top. So I, I, I've learned how to do that, but for some reason I walked away from it, got caught up in the football game, and I almost caused a fire in my house. It was pretty upsetting, to be honest with you. Yeah. People at Wild Fork know me by my first name already. Yeah, they know, they know David and myself on separate, <laughs> separately and together. You're back, they told me. But yeah, you're back. Hey, I'm, yeah. How you doing? How you doing? But but they're out of chimichurri sauce. I'm very upset at them. Already? They're out of it. And they're like, they go on back order for this stuff. I'm like, well, the that mass produce is phenomenal. Mass produce it. I don't want to have to buy another brand. I'm not going to name because then it's going to sound like I'm bad mouthing the other brand. Or it's something. something about that chimichurri. It's just, yeah. it's phenomenal. It's different from any other one I've tasted. That's what. Uh, no, I won't. Frank, it was too, it's low-hanging fruit. I can't do that to Andy. She's new. I can't. Frank, no, I'm not going to, no. <laughs> don't do Stop it. talking don't in my do ear. Don't do it because I don't have to do it. Stop talking in my ear. Don't, I, all right, that's what she said. The views and opinions expressed on Good Morning Amigo are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.